Hello everyone and welcome. My name is Andrew. And I'm Rachel. And we are Peaks of the Scene podcast. We are a true crime podcast aimed to put you, the listener, at the scene of the crime. Each week we delve into the murky world of lesser known crimes from the UK and Ireland and occasionally we venture into renowned cases from around the globe. If you like what you hear, please do follow us on whatever social media platform you prefer, subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform of choice and if you have the capability, Give us a rating and review as well. It means a world to us, doesn't it, Rachel? Boom. It does. We love our ratings and reviews. Quite often, Andrew will message me at random times of the day to post uh, the latest rating or review, and it always puts a smile on my face. Indeed. And if you like us that much that you want to support us, you can do so for less than the price of a cup of tea or coffee on Patreon, with our lowest tier starting at £1 per month. I guess it depends where you buy your tea or coffee these days, doesn't it? I guess it does, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go right. to like a well-known branded coffee house, you're looking at, well, no, it is still less than a price of a cup of tea or coffee because even the calves on the corner, like, they're not going to beat a quid, are they? I'm sorry. Yeah. I'll pipe so, down. I'm glad we sorted that one out. And we do release bonus content every month. The links to our social medias and Patreon can be found in the show notes or visit patreon.com forward slash scenepod. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash s-c-e-n-e-p-o-d. And as with any True Kind podcast, listener's discretion is always advised. Today there is no exception as there are descriptions of a violent fatal attack upon someone, which is not really a shock, is it? It's not, and we always say uh, listeners' discretion is advised, and today there are no exceptions. Like, it is important to warn people, but we just are clearly drawn to the brutal cases, aren't we? We are indeed. But it says something about us, doesn't it? It does say something about us, you're right. Probably not well, and our listeners, about. though, because they continue to download and hopefully enjoy our pod. Exactly. You, the listener... I guess Rachel's calling you twisted. Is that what you're calling them? I am not. Do not put words in my mouth. <laughs> Fair enough. Right, and so let me finish the blurb and then we can get into the good stuff. So we do, where possible, now release our episodes a week early for our Patreon supporters. But this week is the exception because it's our final episode of season three. Can you believe it, Rach? We've been going over two years. And now when we finish this episode, We've completed three seasons. It's a little bit crazy, isn't it? That feels mad. Three seasons over two years. And to be honest, I felt like getting through season one was a milestone. So how many episodes have we recorded then? Well, 26 a season, plus we've had some bonus ones. So you're probably looking at maybe close to 90. Wow. So season four brings on the 100th episode as well. We're going to have to do a giveaway for that, aren't we? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. don't sound too enthusiastic. I was just thinking I'll, I'll give away like a uh, a kidney or something. That would be a unique one. Wow. Maybe we can revisit the hot sauce idea. <laughs> Even your blimmin' hot sauce. So, um, so, yeah, while you can't see next week's episode early, because there isn't one next week, you will get episode one of season four a week earlier than everyone else if you do subscribe. So there's no time travel reference because not time traveling this week, Rachel. But how are you doing? 
Sorry, I was really struggling to get off mute then. Just obviously catch that bit out. I'm muting myself because of the beeping outside. What a shame that our listeners don't get to hear one of your quips about trying traveling. Um, but at least we've got a mid-season break for you to gather some more ready for season four. Yes. Um, and yet I'm very good today. Thank you. How are you? I am good. Thank you very much. Yeah, sparkling. Thank you. That's better. Yes, I am sparkling. Um, right, yeah. should we get into it though? We do, yeah. And do you like, I feel like there was a, I a big was, pause there. I'm I like, for, should I, I tell you to get into it? No, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, and, for the, and for the last time in a few weeks, Rachel, are you ready for some true crime? I am. Yeah, absolutely. Great then. If it's safe for you to do so, I'd like you to relax. Close your eyes and picture the scene. Today I want to take us to Silkstone Common, which is a small village near the town of Barnsley in South Yorkshire. It's a population of around 3,000 people. I've just realised, I'm going off on a tangent here, like if our listeners are not from the UK, they'd probably be thinking, I'm never going to a small village in the UK because it's all murder. It's like Midsummer Murders, isn't it? <laughs> it, um, it is. At least they're not in the same village. That's true, yeah. So, yeah, it's still so common. It's a small village near the town of Barnes in South Yorkshire. It's got a population of around 3,000 people. And as you'd imagine, being so small, it's not really notable for anything. Now, being a village, there's not much there. There's a junior and infant school, a railway station, a single shop and a single pub. But it doesn't really need much, after all. T- ticks all the boxes. Yeah, exactly. A shop, a pub, a railway station and a school. Yeah, Happy days. Exactly. And it's only a 15-minute drive from the centre of Barnsley. I don't, why you'd want to go to the centre of Barnsley, I don't know. And just over half an hour to the centre of Sheffield. I, you... I feel like you've really sold this village, you know. <laughs> if anyone's yes. looking for a move there, I'm sure that there are plenty of uh, houses available on rightmove.co.uk. Yes, I should be an SA agent, should I? Uh, so, yeah, you wouldn't really want for anything. And we're heading back. I've had to sell it because it's not noticeable for anything. It's not even in a doomsday book. Oh, wow. So, so, we're heading back a few years to the 6th of September, 2018. Now, it was a pretty rainy day, all in all. More rain than not, but we're heading off to the early morning at around 7am, give or take, and it hadn't started raining yet, with a temperature of around 57 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 14 degrees Celsius. It was early in the morning, so most people were probably still in bed, enjoying the last few minutes of their sleep, but not for Gary Dean. Because Gary, Rachel, he was an avid runner and cyclist, but this morning, he was up and about, ready for his normal early morning run around his local area. Gary was 48 years of age, unemployed and living with his wife Caroline, and had lived in a group of houses called Moore and Houses for a number of years. His wife did work as a headmistress in a local primary school, but as I said, he was unemployed. Now, Gary was quite obsessive about things, this being due to him being on the autistic spectrum, the two things he obsessed over the most was running and trains. So it's no surprise he was up and ready to go for a run. He was a marathon runner, so he would often run for long distances. And believe it or not, how impressive is this? He'd already completed 18 London marathons in his time. Wow, okay. So running and trains obsession um, was, uh, he, he sounds like he was in a, 
a great place that obviously with there being a, a train station in the local village but also like um the ability to to get out and enjoy kind of like treading the pavements every morning was a good routine for him if he was used to being unemployed yeah yeah exactly because so he was on the autistic spectrum and his obsessive and focused traits he could unfortunately come across as antisocial to people that either didn't know him or didn't know his condition so at times people would find him annoying abnormal and antisocial but and he never understood that so sometimes he also appeared insensitive to people's feelings and he was annoying to some people we have to put that out there because I know sometimes it feels like the victims are all perfect, but Guy was a normal man, and like all of us, he had good and bad traits. Uh, and I've just and, let slip that Gary is a victim. And do you know, do you know what? Like, with or without autism, like it can be difficult to please everyone, right? And yes. be like a hundred percent on a hundred percent of the time. Like we put so much pressure on ourselves, don't we, to be polite and likable and sociable and like you know, be seen in society as someone that, you know, never rocks the boat, does not disturb, says, you know, engages with people the right amount of times, not too much, not too little. You know, that can be high stress for a human being that has, um, you know, the ability to empathize and, and understand like social cues and, you know, other things like that. But bring into the mix um, being on the autism autism spectrum god i just you know would be crazy to like you drive yourself mad wouldn't you like um you know wondering what what have i done to to worry people or, or cause people not to like me and um i do completely appreciate that um some social aspects with people that carry the traits of autism um, are that they actually wouldn't know or worry about things like that but there are also the other end of the the spectrum where people that you know they are concerned and they just want to make friends and they they wonder and worry why they they can't yeah exactly but he did though have plenty of friends so the evidence was clearly there that once people did get to know him and understand him then his behavior and mannerisms no longer seemed to be an issue so he wasn't totally alone. That's and what, nice. And yeah. isn't that the case again with like general in general? Like if you're if someone perceives you as grumpy and they get to know you, they just know, well, actually, you're just somebody that's quiet or, or you know, concentrating. Like it's yes. not necessarily that you are gr- a grumpy person. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, what if Gary's friends would later say this about Gary? Gary had difficulty regulating his emotions, particularly connected to loud noises. So it just goes to show really what type of person he was. He he sometimes could react in a way that you wouldn't expect people to react. And examples of his behavior would be that he didn't think horses shouldn't be allowed on a particular uh, trail he ran on near his house. So he made scarecrows designed to scare the horses that that he put up in the trees. And he also rather dangerously set up a line of twine going across the path. So anyone riding a horse would be unseated. And even though he could be annoying to some people and did unusual things, like I've just men- mentioned, it's also worth noting that he was never aggressive. 
and he would only ever confront someone if he knew he could safely retreat if he had to. So it's just it's important to get that a picture of his personality for what comes next. So on this morning, Caroline, his wife, would go into the school early to do some work, as was normal, and as Gary liked his routines, he would always go for a run after she left before his breakfast. Now, unbeknown to him this morning, someone was watching him, waiting for him to leave. That someone was hidden away from the sight of Gary as he left his house, and it was a woman called Carol Dawson. Carol was retired, 71 years old, and she lived local to the area. Oh, wow. It's not your usual kind of stalker, is it? No. 71-year-old woman living locally. No, and once, exactly, it's not. Once Gary had left, Carol called up her son, Scott Dawson, to let him know that Gary had left. Now, Gary would run the same route every day, so Carol and her son, Scott, knew where he'd end up. The pair of them owned between themselves some 27 acres of land nearby to Gary's house. Now, what happened next, no one knows the exact order because it was a rural location, so there was no CCTV, there was no witnesses. But due to forensic and medical evidence, we do know it it did actually happen. Now, as Gary was running along a footpath adjacent to the edge of a field owned by Scott Dawson, he was shot in the back with a powerful air rifle. Now, oh, wow, this... I didn't see that coming. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't see it coming, would you? Yeah, so while this was an air rifle, so it wasn't a normal gun and couldn't do as much damage, the pilot did still lodge in Gary's back, in his spine, actually. Is an air rifle one of those guns that releases, like, um, a, um, a bullet that kind of, um, on impact, shatters? No. Oh, right, okay. It's like like a little lead pellet, maybe half a centimetre, probably less, actually. Oh, wow, like a BB gun. Yeah, that's the same same thing, yeah. Okay, got you. Right, but enough to um, distress him and definitely cause some pain, right? Oh, yeah, you can get really powerful ones, which are like like, uh, air power. So, yeah, it it lodged in his spine, so it went through. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, no, he definitely would have felt it and it would have caused pain. And then after it lodged in his back, Scott then proceeded to attack Gary. He beat Gary with the actual rifle, and Gary would also be beaten with a rock and some tree branches. Now, we don't know the order this happened in, but we also do know at some point Gary managed to drag himself while he was bleeding on his hands and knees away from the footpath, and he fell down a ditch. We also know that the beating continued once he had fallen to the bottom of the ditch that was in a wooded area. Scott would ultimately inflict several serious severe force blows with a blunt instrument, believed to be a gun, rocks and branches. Gary was also kicked and stamped on. His skull was fractured and there was damage and hemorrhaging to his brain. He had multiple rib fractures, severe bruising to his arms, and there was a fracture to his leg, along with other wounds and bruising. So, so this real, was... real intent with this yeah. beating. Like, Scott, um, you know, obviously could have had the opportunity to shoot him um, and then kind of just be done with it. But he's gone out of his way then to proper, like, beat him up and yeah. and really cause some severe pain. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, yeah. So once Gary was dead... 
the plan of Scott and his mum Carol was to go back with a digger after dark and bury the body so that it would never be found. Oh my God! So, oh wow! Sorry, I, I totally missed the point that the intention was to kill him. Yes. Oh my goodness! How sinister is this? Like, a seventy-one-year-old woman has initiated the killing of this man and you know her son has just committed and and is now you know going to go through with burying the body and trying to get away with murder this is crazy yeah it is yeah it is crazy at around 5 30 p.m that day however they couldn't bury the body because a friend of gary's was out running in the area when he heard a mobile phone going off now that mobile phone was gary's and the call was caroline his wife who was by now repeatedly and frantically calling Gary to find out where he was. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, because she was worried about it. Because he was on the spectrum, he was a person of routine. Yeah. So him being missing was highly unusual. And I'm guessing after his run every day, he'd have come back, had his breakfast, probably text or called his wife. There'd have been like a process to follow throughout the day and she yes. could have gone to work safe in the knowledge that okay as long as I hear from Gary by 12 p.m I know that you know I can go on my day and do this that and the other but any any small slight change to that and it would have triggered her mind to be going into overdrive right yeah exactly so Gary's ringtone led Simon now you've got to remember this is also Gary's friend so it led Simon to, to his body so imagine yeah. finding your friend's dead body um yeah. And he subsequently called the police. So, yeah, they thwarted any plans that the mother and son had of burying the body so that it would never be found. And if you'd have buried a body with a digger, it probably would have never been found because you can dig deep holes quite quickly, can't you? Yep. And they had 27 acres of land. So, yeah, the police immediately started a murder investigation because it was obvious that this was no accident. Now, they did have an idea of who it might be after some initial investigation, but no proof. When they first started looking to Gary Dean to see who he was and what sort of person he was, it was obvious that a few different people could potentially be suspects. Oh, wow. Firstly, you have to, you have the people who complained to the National Trust about him due to his behaviour with the scarecrows and the twine and in his attempts to stop the horse riders. So when... The National Trust received these complaints in 2017. They had set up CCTV in the Woodland area to see who was doing these incidents. Now, the CCTV didn't catch any more scarecrows being put up. Although, just as an aside, he definitely did it because his wife said that he did. Um, yeah. All lines being put across the path to dismount the horse riders. They did catch Gary defecating while running in the woods. Now, got to remember, this may sound disgusting, we got to remember he was a long-distance runner, and despite what we, we may think of the behaviour, it was quite normal for them to do this when running so they could carry on running. Wow, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to comment. I'm not a long-distance runner. I can barely manage a 5K. Um, so, yeah, it's a strange habit. But, it, I, like, do you know what? I'm just going to put it out there. I can see why that would upset a general member of the public, especially if it was on your land or if it was in plain sight and you had to witness it. But 
I definitely don't think that defecating in public is worthy of the beating that, that Gary got. Oh, no, let's get this right. No one knew he was doing it. It's only because they set up CCTV to catch the horse riding stuff that, oh, that they, okay. they saw him defecating. So it's not like anyone complained about that. It was just they happened oh, to catch that. The only thing they caught him doing. So, but at the time. And is that, sorry, so, is that against the law? No. No. Okay. No. So, yeah, so at the time, all that happened was he was asked by a police community support worker to stop doing it, which he did. So the people who made those complaints, they were quickly ruled out for various reasons. So the attention now turned to a mother and son duo who were very close with each other, and that duo being Scott and Carol Dawson, as we now know, the killers. So it seems that on the field in which Gary would run over, that was Scott's property, Scott was raising pigs, and on that field, they had a barn-type structure for the pigs along with the pigs themselves. Scott would complain firstly to Gary, who in his mannerisms was quite vocal in his objection that he couldn't go over the private property. Now, again, just to put this out here, Scott was actually in the wrong here because it was a footpath that was publicly accessible. So he had to let people use it. So Scott and Carol both, and it was also on the very edge of his land as well. Let's, let's put that out there. It wasn't like running through the pigs or anything. So Scott and Carol then both, over a few years, from 2014 roughly onwards, make several complaints to the police about Gary. Some of them would be that Gary would break windows on the property, he would interfere with machinery, that he threatened Carol with a hammer, that he threatened to burn the pig barn down, and as a result, Scott and Carol had to keep a 24-hour watch on their property. So wow, he, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so he, Gary, that is, would be taken to court over this. He would be charged with harassing Scott and causing damage to his property, along with using threatening words and behaviour towards Carol and also assaulting her. So when it went to court, Gary would be acquitted of all charges and the police would later state that everything he was accused of was a lie, that he didn't do anything. Oh, wow, okay. So he was acquitted on the 19th of February 2018, so just over half a year before he was killed. This wouldn't stop Scott and Carol, though. Caroline and Gary's car would be vandalised, with the words Get Out and Pedo written on them, and four youths with masks would storm into the house when Gary was home and threaten him to leave the area. Now, neither of these incidents could be proven to be from Scott or Carol, but let's be honest, it's very unlikely to be from anyone else. Well, yeah, it's a, you know we're talking about a small village here, aren't we? It's yeah. gonna it's gonna stand out like a sore thumb, like the kind of um, any um, conflict, isn't it? Yeah, Carol would also write a letter to the education authorities saying that Caroline shouldn't be allowed to work with children because Gary was a paedophile, and that he would lure children into the local woods to abuse them. Now, this obviously had to be investigated properly by a safeguarding team and the police, as all accusations like that have to be. But it was again found out not to be true at all. This is awful, like to have those accusations thrown at you, because even if it's found out not to be true, like mud sticks, doesn't it? So it does. It, 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 it'll just take one person seeing that, say, on a Facebook feed, local man accused. And there needs to be no redaction from the local newspaper or 
there needs to be no like formal follow-up for that person to tar that individual yeah. with that brush for the rest of their lives. Exactly. Because remember, she was a headmistress, so mm. even worse. And Carol would... Oh, oh Carol, gosh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, Carol would also go around telling everyone, including the police, that along with abusing children, that guy was a predator of women, that he had pushed over an 82-year-old woman, and rather randomly... He went around kicking newborn lambs. All of this was untrue, may I add. But it's obviously these, are, the... these accusations are pretty like mad, like all yeah. over the all over the place, really, aren't they? It sounds to me that they were she was probably trying to think of what do people hate? People hate animal abusers, people hate rapists, people hate paedophiles, people hate people who abuse old people. So let's accuse them of everything and one of these might stick. Yeah, I think that, like, there's something to be said for, like, and I'm hoping at some point they were, as in Carol or and or Scott, were targeted by the police or social services for, like, filing false reports. No. And making nuisance, like... No. No? No, unfortunately not. Wow. So in phone calls to the police complaining about Gary, Scott would be recorded as saying, now if he's going to keep getting away with this, we may as well do it to him. And along with, they will be out because I'll be ripping him in fucking half. And there was also several other recordings where he was obviously very angry. And Carol would also be recorded in phone calls to the police and saying that her son was annoyed. And she also said, and I'm quoting here, somebody's going to get killed here, which she was saying. And she said that in context when she was telling the police that they were not doing enough against Gary. Now, this is all circumstantial, though. But it wasn't enough to initially arrest them. And when arrested, they would both deny doing anything to Gary, with Scott denying he even had an air rifle initially. And they... They could, though, because they arrested them, they could, however, seize equipment. And they did. They seized a computer and mobile phones. and they. But they had to release both of them at first without charge because they had no evidence. Because you know how long it takes to examine technical equipment. Yeah. But when because they, they had them in for 48 hours, I think, they were thereabouts. And... When they were doing that, they actually went and planted recording equipment into Carol's home. And they covertly recorded the pair after they'd been released, talking to each other in in her home. And they did actually record lots of audios that could be inferred that they were talking about how they killed Gary, but none of it was direct outright admissions. They were too careful in case they were being recorded to say anything that could be used against them. Pretty savvy then, aren't they? Yeah, and the mobile phones, though, did, however, tell another story. Scott's phone would reveal a conversation he had with his partner in which he was willing to, which he said he was willing to spend time waiting to catch and grab Gary. The police also went back through Gary's interview tapes. Do you remember when he was arrested? Yeah. And... In those interview tapes, he'd actually told the police of one time when he had been confronted by Scott in the woods when Scott was hooded and wearing a mask. So again, it helps towards the evidence. 
they felt this time that they had enough to arrest a pair again. So they did. And they searched their properties this time. And when while the air, air rifle was never recovered, the pellets that matched the ones recovered from Gary's spine were found in Carol's garage. Oh, wow. I mean, that's like the smoking gun that they need, isn't it, really? Well, yeah, it's still circumstantial, but yeah, I guess a pellet is not quite like a bullet, so you can't match it exactly, but... Um, oh, can you not? Oh, that's annoying. Yeah. So in, in, in court, they could, like, if they had a decent defence, they could argue? They could argue reasonable doubt, but it's more circumstantial to add to everything. And because they both denied they ever had an air rifle. Yeah, they also discovered a balaclava in Carol's house that had her DNA on the inside of it, which indicates that she'd worn it. And why else would you wear a balaclava if you'd only be seen watching somebody? Yeah, but it would have been weirder to find a balaclava in a house that didn't have her DNA on it. I mean, I'm guessing it's just weird to have found a balaclava in a house because you're right. Like, they are notorious. Yeah, Yeah. and they are are notorious with, like, crime, aren't they? I tell you something, if you saw old people walking on the balaclava, you'd probably think twice, wouldn't you? (laughs) I know we shouldn't be laughing, I'm sorry. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, let's move on. The police discovered witnesses who would say that Cal was cleaning on a hoover in the inside of her car the day after Gary had been killed, wearing pink gloves. And again, she denied that she ever owned any pink gloves. Pink gloves, that's that's very specific, isn't it? Yes, like those um, ones you do to wash the pots in. Yeah, marigolds. Yeah. Yeah. Now, handwritten notes between the pair were also discovered in Carol's home that while incriminating them in Gary's murder, again, didn't outright show that they had, that they were guilty. The police would also show that usually, in an average week, the pair would exchange one or two messages or calls between them, uh, and this is an average over the two years prior to the killing. But on the day of the murder, they exchanged 15 calls between them. Again, not evidence, but circumstantial evidence that they were planning something. Now, it would be found that on the day Gary was killed, Scott would buy a new mobile phone and SIM card. Though know, He said that he did this because he damaged his old phone so that he burned his old phone in the fire to get rid of the rubbish, and he just bought a new one. Because that's what you do when you damage your phone. You burn it in the fire, don't you, Rachel? Well, yeah, throw it out the window, smash it into pieces, burn it. Like, Well, not, maybe not throw it out the window, sorry, because, like, but, like, throw it somewhere in a lake. Yeah. Yes. Now, he said he did this, but just as an aside, this was a lie because the phone would be found in Carol's home when they searched it, intact and working. So again, just a little bit more circumstantial evidence. Now, the police also discovered an incident when a woman who was walking her dog along the same footpath on Scott's land was verbally abused by Scott and physically threatened if she came back, something that they thought showed a pattern of behaviour. So while all circumstantial, the Crown Prosecution Service thought that they had enough to take it to court. So the pair of them were charged with murder. Wow. Now, the defence's argument for both of them was that they were innocent and they knew nothing about the murder. And while they had argued with Gary on several occasions, it didn't mean that they killed him. The prosecution's case was as I've already outlined. And while they had no direct proof, 
there was a lot of circumstantial evidence which showed guilt. So the trial lasted for five weeks. There was no manslaughter option, so just guilty or not guilty for murder. So what do you think, Rach? Now, before you tell me what you think, the only bits that from the trial that I missed were the medical reports and Gary's injuries, which I mentioned at the start, and the testimony from Gary's wife outlining the harassment they received, and from Gary's friends outlining his condition and overall personality, and also some testimony from uh, Scott's neighbours that testified that he was an angry and violent person. I mean, so, regardless regardless of the testimony here outlining Gary as um, a bad person, like, no one can take the law into their own hands and no one should be subjected to, like, an, a beating. Like, even if, even if Gary's, like, protesting, you know, acting, behaving violent towards Scott or his, his mother, or any member of the public, that does not give you carte blanche to take law into your hands and even respond in an angry or aggressive manner. You take it to the police. You let the authorities deal with the, these things. Like, And I'm not for one minute saying Gary was a violent person um, or that he provoked the, the attack, but what I am saying is even if he did, um, that there's absolutely no um, purpose for for Scott and his mother Carol to have done what they've done here, um, and I hope that they threw the book at him so and think, his mum. So you think guilty? I do, and I think that his mum, hopefully, was given uh, a guilty verdict. And even though she was not physically dealing the blows to the body. Um, that she will have been punished um, equally because she set off the chain of events that allowed her son to set up the air rifle on the route at the right time to to take um, the opportunity to to get Gary. Yeah, that's interesting, Rachel. So they would be found guilty of murder with the judge being very damning in his sentencing comments. Now, as you just said, what you hoped for did happen the judge would say that he believed Carol, while she probably wasn't there at the actual killing, was equally as responsible as she helped plan as she egged her son on to do it. So she wouldn't be getting a light sentence. He said that did from the they, beginning. Did they have the same lawyer? Were they tried no, together? No, different. They tried together with different barristers. Yeah, because I bet you the barrister was, you know, if, if the... If during the court case the tables had turned and there was like that feeling of right, your son's definitely gonna be sent down for this murder, you know, her her plea would have been, Yeah, but I didn't deliver the blow and I didn't I didn't pull the trigger. But you're absolutely right, the judge should still sentence her with the same like, you know, um culpability because like I said, she set off the chain of events that allowed this to happen. So equally, in my opinion. And I promise you, I didn't Google this as we were going along. In my opinion, she is equally as responsible for his death as her son is. I disagree with you there, Rachel. So the judge, um, by the way, I'm from Sheffield. So I've heard anecdotal evidence in the past how harsh this judge is. And I guess we've got a bit of proof here. Because the judge would state that he believed that they had every intention of killing Gary and that he would start with a minimum term of 30 years for the pair before he considered mitigating and aggravating circumstances. 
So he rejected Carol's defence. You're right, Carol's defence was saying the uh, sentencing hearing that she had minimum term, she'll start at 15 years because she wasn't involved. And he rejected that outright. He went on to state that Gary was a vulnerable man due to his autism, that the murder was cold-blooded, that Scott had a violent, explosive personality, and that he considered he being a judge considered the air rifle and while it didn't kill Gary he considered it to be a firearm so that was also an aggravating point yeah he would say that the pair had a vendetta against Gary and that he had doubts if Gary should have ever been attempted to be prosecuted for the lies that they made up about him he pointed to evidence given at trial by the neighbors of of Scott that he was a violent and angry man and he called the pair, Scott, Scott and Carol, toxic. He commented that neither gave evidence in the trial, and so neither attempted to defend their actions. He talked about the premeditation and the fact that they attempted to hide evidence. Now, he said the only real mitigating factors were Carol's age and the fact that neither had any previous convictions, but he also said they were not factors that would significantly impact his decision. So he ended up giving. After I said all that, what do you think the, the pair got? Mm, gosh, I'm really, really crap at this part. I'm, so, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, um, fifteen years. Okay, he ended up giving Carol a sentence of twenty six years minimum. <gasps> which means oh that, my goodness! Which means that she'll die in prison, and she did wow. get a lesser sentence than her son because of her age. So what do you think Scott got? 30. Scott would get 31 years minimum. Wow. Which means he'll probably also have a big chance of dying in prison. So unsurprisingly, the pair would appeal both the sentence and the actual conviction. Interestingly, Scott would appeal the sentence because the judge had dismissed the defence of loss of self-control and hadn't instructed the jury to consider it. So basically saying the judge should have said to the jury, Scott may have just lost control, so you have to take that into consideration. And this actually, to me, would indicate that he was in a roundabout way admitting to the murder, if he's saying mm. that the judge should have done that. I, but Carol's barrister, because they're different barristers, would appeal the conviction based on lack of evidence that she actually did anything at all. Now, both appeals against the convictions would be denied. However, both appeals against the length of sentence would be granted, with the appeal judges saying that the original judge put too much weight on the air rifle due to it not being a real gun and the fact that it hadn't caused death. They also stated that the judge didn't put enough weight on the fact that Gary could be quite antisocial and appear aggressive in the way that he reacted to things due to his but autism. That's, that's victim-blaming. I feel and and uh, like um obviously I'll allow you to contest my thoughts on that in a minute but uh, what I do want to say as well is I do not envy judges because you know quite easily your sentencing and your commenting can be brought into disrepute by another judge down the line that must be so disheartening because they don't take their job lightly there's yeah. paperwork they have to read um you know items they have to go through 
They've obviously got to listen to the jury verdicts, but all of the evidence as well. And then to to live in that fear of like, could my comments, could my anything be brought into disrepute? Like that that must be pretty nerve wracking. Yeah, I guess in the original judge's comments, I didn't comment on this, but he did keep saying that probably to try and mitigate an appeal, that he did keep taking into consideration all factors that could reduce the sentence. So he kept okay. repeating that. But um, but what the appeal judge said was, around this antisocial and appeal aggressive, they weren't fixing blaming. What they said was that initially it could have caused the confrontation, not that it was reason for attacking him. So that had to be taken into consideration, even if it didn't affect the... Um, the outcome, it had to be taken into consideration and the judge never mentioned it. The judge said that Gary was a kind and loving man and that he was vulnerable and he didn't really... He, he mentioned his antisocial and aggressive behaviour, but he said it was um, basically reasonable. And It wasn't intentional yeah. and, yes. like, it wasn't aimed the way that, like, Scott's was, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So the appeal judges stated that while they would allow the appeals on the length of sentence, because remember this is just to see if they could appeal, not the actual appeal. So while they would allow the appeals on the length of sentence, they didn't think it would make a difference to Carol because whatever they reduced it to was still going to be long enough that she would die in prison. And because as of now, as we speak the appeals either haven't been lodged or haven't been heard. Because, again, just because they allowed the appeals, they may have decided not to go ahead of them. So as of now, they haven't been lodged or heard, one of the two. So we don't know if they will win the appeals or what the result will be. And if we ever do find out, I'll obviously update the, our listeners for the podcast. Yeah. So what do you think of this one then, Rachel? I mean... My usual comments, really unnecessary, really violent, really aggressive and really sad case. Um, But I hadn't heard of it. So, you know, grateful that you've brought us yet another case that um, I wasn't aware of. And it's definitely like opened my eyes to like the behavior of some people and, you know, society in general, their hatred towards others when they just don't understand or can't empathize with them and have that have that like reasoning in their mind the way that like you or I would and therefore wouldn't commit such atrocious crimes yeah I think that's a reasonable point to make it's 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 a sad one really that that someone's died over access on a footpath which because to put into context they hadn't owned for years and years and years. They'd bought just... Yeah. So Gary was already running over his footpath and public had a right of way on it before they bought it. Yeah. And and they'd been told it, that people had right of way on it as well. It's so trivial. Yeah. But I just think for him to go the way that he went and for everyone to have been distressed by this murder because, let's be honest, you know, his wife was tortured throughout the day not knowing where he was and what happened. And then for that you know his friend that discovered his body he'll have to live with that for the rest of his life um his wife will have to live with the fact that he met such an awful ending so brutally for the rest of her life um you know and locally the community will have to deal with something so atrocious happening on their doorstep for the 
for you know eternity it's just it's yeah. just a really sad case isn't it it is you're right uh so shall i wrap this one up then rachel for the last time yeah. this season yeah gosh yeah so this has been season three episode 26 called toxic family and if it's safe for you all to do so i'd like you to relax close your eyes and picture the scene we've just heard about a mother and her son who were triggered enough to kill over a footpath. Now I'd like all of you to look into yourselves and have a think. What would make you angry enough to kill? So thank you, everyone. We'll be back in three weeks' time. Three weeks today. Mark this date. Or two weeks if you're a patron subscriber. So please come and subscribe. And have a nice break, and we shall see you all soon. See you soon, guys. Thanks for staying with us and like looking forward to recording season four with you all. Mm-hmm.